Hello, everybody. This is Naja Hall. Of course, you know that because you clicked on the button when you saw my name and face. So today we're going to be talking about parental alienation. And it's something that I speak on fiercely because my family has felt the pangs of it. I mean, to be quite frank, I can't really say it ever goes away without some serious hard work. So today I have Belle with us. She has experienced two generations of alienation. First with her own father, and now she has to bear witness to her husband experiencing it with his children. Belle was sharing a little bit um, in one of my Facebook groups, and I, I asked her, I was like, can you just come on and talk about your experience? Because Hers is, uh, is, is quite unique. I'm going to read a little bit about what she said and, and then why I thought that she would be a great teacher to come on and speak to us today. So Belle says, um, when I asked her, was she ever able to work things out with her mother who alienated her from her father? She says, I tried, but after years and years of emotional abuse, I made the decision to finally cut her off. I actually made this decision on Saturday, this is recent. I blocked her from everything and explained to my siblings to respect my decision. She alienated us from my father's entire side of the family, from her family members as well, and had us believing she is the only one that we could trust. So I believe that these bitter moms that alienate fathers will have to answer to their actions and they will end up alone. Bell, Bell, oh my goodness. Oh, I, I, I don't know where to start. You know what? I do know where I want to start. First, I want to start by speaking on your experiences as an alienated child. And the reason that I had to have you on is because you posted a picture of you as a little girl and your daddy. And when I saw that picture, it just, it hurt my feelings. I don't, you know, you and I haven't met before. Of course, we've talked a lot uh, in the online forums, but there was something about this little girl, this beautiful little girl and this daddy that I'm sure wanted to love her. And all these years and experiences were stolen. And it, it honestly pissed me off. It made me mad. It made me, it triggered me because of my own experiences, you know? So can you talk a little bit about how the alienation started? Yes. Um, and I love that picture. That's one of my picture, favorite pictures of my father. Mm. Um, I was a daddy's girl. I'm also the oldest of four children. So um, my baby brother, he, I'm five years older than him. So I was an only child for a long time. And uh, my mother was younger than my father. So we, I was actually born in the Philippines. And so we moved out here um, in the United States when I was four. And I was going to ask you, was your daddy Pacific Islander? Or he looks... Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he looks like... Yeah. So he's full Filipino. And um, so when we moved here in the United States, he started working very hard and let my mom stay home. So my mom um, stayed home. Then she had my brother and more kids came. So um, he worked very hard. And I loved my dad. He cooked for us. He was very warm. Um, my mother, she wasn't so much, um, even, I can't really remember the time where she was just hold me or be very loving or anything like that. So when my mom and dad finally, um, things blew up, um, what happened is she cheated on my father and he found out and it broke him. I mean, he was working so hard. She was actually sending money to another man in the Philippines, my father's money. Oh, this is somebody in the Philippines. I'm old enough to understand all of this. I how, how old were you at that time? I was eight or nine. And um, I saw the letters that the man in the Philippines wrote to my father telling him what was going on. <gasps> it was actually, yes. <laughs> and um, so I'm trying to understand all of this in my little girl brain trying to be an adult business. And uh, Things blew up, of course, and my dad rightfully went crazy. Um, 
she kicked him out and uh, for, I didn't know at this time, but she also put a restraining order on him and she wasn't working. So my belief now as an adult is that she pushed him away, put a restraining order on him to not be able to come around yeah. that he was a threat because she wasn't working. How is she, how could she make my father keep paying the bills where she lives? So instead of her leaving to go to the Philippines with her man that she loves so much, she knew she couldn't afford that. So she pushed my father away. And all I saw was a little girl, I'm um, as a little girl, this man that I loved so much and respected so much. And they were finally divorcing. And I was happy because I was like, oh, finally, I get to get away from my mother. Mm. Who was so Ooh, vile. You she knew that so at vile. eight years old. Yes, because she was, <laughs> we, ne we never really got along. And um, she always seemed, well, she told me straight up that um, when I was, I'm the reason that she married my dad and that I was a mistake. And I remember thinking at nine, huh, <laughs> I'm a mistake. And uh, it just, it was very, very, very hurtful. And then, so, like I said, I was so happy that it was finally over. And I thought my dad was going to take us. Yeah, you're like, I can go with dad now. And I, I want to say this because what you mentioned is the typical pattern that alienating parents take. You know, they say, all right, I'm going to kick dad out of the house. Especially, and I don't know why I see this. It's like one party will cheat, but they'll be the ones to do the restraining order. And the alien, yes. that's so asinine to me. But this, it, it seems like anytime, and I know a lot of people out there listening right now that have undergone alienation, one of the first lines of defense that the alienator will commit against you to weaponize themselves is to go get a restraining order because they feel like, and someone has told them or they feel like it weakens your case. Oh, maybe they, this person will get less time with the kids and I'll get more money. Yes. Not and I, I'm not even sure what came of it. I didn't even know about the restraining order. All I knew is that my dad who was with me every day, day in and day out was no longer in the house and he couldn't come around. And he did, uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. Um, so I didn't hear from my father. He was just gone. And I was heartbroken. And I told my dad this later when we had this conversation was that I wasn't even mad that he left at that point. I was heartbroken. I was destroyed that he left me with my abuser. With her. Because he knew. He knew how, because he was the one that would protect me. And um, oh. I, that's what destroyed me. And that's what hurt me. But I didn't know this at eight or nine. I just was upset too. Like, how oh, he did leave. So how old were you when you actually were able to have that conversation with him? <laughs> um, I would probably, so I'm 35 now. I would probably say we started having these conversations when I got married at 30. And um, because of my husband. Oh. And before then, I had no, you didn't I was see so it. mad. I was upset. Yeah, yes. you, you couldn't see it. <laughs> so then dad leaves the house and, you know, mom reminds you that you're a mistake. But then you also have three younger siblings who I assume were slip ups as well. And then you guys are in the house with mom and mom only. Yes. What, what happens now? What happens now? So we, life continues. Um, we move on. You know, those, those, those times were kind of blurry to me. Um, we kind of just had to band together. All I know is that the four of us were very close because we were all we knew. We were all we had. We didn't have aunts. We didn't have uncles that we had relationships with. And I feel that maybe she, because even our own grandmother, she said, oh, you know, don't trust her. She's going to talk about you behind your back. And so that's her we grandma. That's, my, that's her mother. Her <laughs> own mother. And she was the one that actually took care of us the most. Um, she lived in an apartment, a couple apartments from us. And what oh, she would do. She was close. She would, yes. So she would work um, elderly care during the week. And then on the weekend, she would make a bunch of food and send it with us. Because my mom, she didn't cook. She didn't do any of that. So we were kind of latchkey children uh, growing up. And, and so you were the oldest. So you had to be the caretaker, naturally. Yes. And then so... My baby brother, I'm 11 years older than him, and he has no remembrance of my father. So it's mm. another dynamic of it now that we're facing is that 
my my baby brother is very team mom. Absolutely. And and I'm 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 very I'm not against I told him, you know what, I'm not gonna try and change your perception because that's your perception. Right. But one day I hope I hope that when you do get married or have children, I hope that your wife never alienates your children from you because that's when you're gonna understand and that's when your heart's gonna break. And yeah. you're gonna realize that it this none of this had to happen. Mm. So you know, alienation, you all, it goes so deep because now it's kind of like you're forcing, if you are an alienator out there listening and you probably don't know you are because alienators tend to think that they're doing the right thing or they're so wrapped up in their own narcissism or whatever it is that's going on in them that they cannot see that they are categorically wrong. And so what you're doing is you're not only splitting your child's relationship with you, you're splitting up the siblings with one another, but I kind of think that alienators are okay with that because as long as they win and as long as they, as I like to say, gather the troops on their side, yes. then they feel supported and they're okay. Um, you're, I take and, it your brother doesn't have kids right now, right? No, he's a, he's a baby. He's 24. He is engaged. And, um, and you hit the nail on the head that she, she I, I believe that she plays the victim to him because Yes, for his whole life, my mom was the only parent that was there. And um, so no aunties, that's all. No uncles. No, no, no. And, and I, was, I felt like I was more uh, hands-on with him emotionally and helping him grow. And my brother, um, he was basically the dad, my, my other brother and myself. We were almost the mom and dad to our two younger siblings. And... So yeah, till this very day, he won't even speak to my father, even hear it out. And she, she will, uh, I've heard her say this before, like, uh, you know, she, she actually hurt my brother physically. And then uh, he, his blood vessel in his eye uh, bursted. Oh, uh, He was probably 14 or 13. Oh and I remember her saying to him, Look what you're doing to yourself. You're crying so hard that you bursted your, your blood vessel in your eye. She never took accountability for anything. And but she constantly does this to my little brother because now as an adult, we had a conversation and he just said, yeah, you know, when, when one of you guys are mad at me, speaking of my siblings, I don't, I don't speak to anyone. I feel everybody's mad at me. Mm. And I think that stems from him thinking that um, my dad didn't accept him and my mom had moments where she didn't accept him either. So he feels like when someone's mad at him, he thinks that everybody's mad at him. And I, I was like, wow, that's re really, really <laughs> interesting. Um, and you know what the saddest part about it is he is about to take on the biggest responsibility of his life. He's about to take on a wife. And that woman is, pro is she probably has no clue what she's walking into. That's why I tell everybody before you get married, you need to go to marriage counseling with a conflict resolution specialist with a blended family. Co like you, you need to sit down on somebody's couch. So all of your person's issues, they're out on the table and you get to decide if you're going to be able to deal with this, because I guarantee yes. it's going to come up later on in his marriage. It's some, I don't know how, but you know, you and I both know bill that's going to come back up. <laughs> oh Yes. And she's actually a psychology major. And um, we've oh, had conversations Lord. about this because she knows, she knows a little bit about my mom. Uh, she, she, my mom loved the boys very much. And I think it's because she didn't have her father in her life growing up. So she mm. seeks male validation. So um, it was always almost separated between my sisters and my brothers. They had, they, my brothers were favored a bit more um, than we were. And so when my brothers started bringing around women, their wives, girlfriends, fiancés, my mom would be very jealous and oh. very attacking. Uh-oh. You know what, Belle? So I did a video, I don't know, maybe two years ago. It's probably one of my most watched YouTube videos, and it was Six Signs of a Narcissistic Mother. And one yes. of the things that I talked about was um, how they favor their sons over their daughters. They will coddle the boys. But oh my God, let a new woman come in on her territory. It's going to be hell. To oh, yes. And they yes, see the girls as competition. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and so, yeah, so it's all coming. I did watch that video. And as I was watching, I was like, check, check, check. That's oh, my God. message. That was part of my decision making process is that, well, because my husband's always pleading with me. He's just like, why do you allow 
this woman to take so much of your energy to rent space in your mind. And, and I'm like, well, because I, I try to get along with her because my brother, the other brother, not the baby brother, mm -hmm. uh, recently got married and now he has two baby boys. And I didn't want my brother to have to feel like, oh, I can't have situations where my mom and my sister are in the same room. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? Let me try and be the bigger person. Set a lot of boundaries. Um, we're in the mil. Uh, we're in the military, so I'm actually on the East Coast, and my mom's on the West Coast. Oh. So okay. So you're not gonna be in the same room unless unless you're intentional about it. Anyway. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I I figured, you know what? It'll be okay. Um, limit I'm not my gonna phone see calls. Her. Yeah. yeah. And if we talk, I know when, to, when it starts getting hairy, when to get off, when to excuse myself from the text message. But finally, um, on Saturday, I don't know what happened that triggered it all. But um, I think she told my sister that I was having a surprise graduation party for my kids and I didn't invite her. And, I, and of course, your sister confronted you about it because mom is trying to rally the troops and turn people against yes. and, and finally, I just said, nope, done. And in the group thread with my siblings and my mom included, I just said, I'm done with this. Um, I'm excusing myself from the group thread. And I didn't give any more explanation than that in that group thread where my, uh -oh. where my mother could see. Uh -oh. and I just blocked, blocked her on all social media and my phone and that's it. And I just, Damn. I'm at peace with it. I just, because enough is enough. And um, so now what happens is she's going to be appealing to the three of your siblings and um, basically trying to turn them against you. Cause it sounds like she always knew that you more, you, you favored your father and she kind of knew that you were the one that was going to go the other direction anyway. And you know, like what is an alienator going to do? They're going to like, let me just work on where I have more power and mm -hmm. I'm willing to let one go. So now it seems like she's probably campaigning for your other three siblings to join her side. Like you, cause they don't see it as they can share. That's why they alienate. They can, you know, they alienate yes. from parents. They can't share. So, yes. Oh God. Are there any other, any of your siblings that are forming a relationship with your dad also? Mm, my sister kind of, she's cautiously, um, I think she wrote him a letter. Um, and then now, since I am talking to my father, you know, oh, my brother, when he did have his first son, he reached out to my dad just to let him know. Um, so he's a little bit more open-minded. He, he's not one way or the other with my mom or my dad. He's very mature. He's very like, I have my wife and kids now. I'm going yeah. to provide for them. And that's all that matters. He's like, you know what? My, you, my parents <laughs> had a chance and they did what they did. So I'm going to start over with my own family and hopefully do better. Yes, that's a good stance, but not, you know, because alienation, it affects, like you said, it affects everybody differently and having a parent to intentionally turn you against another loving parent is one thing. Um, I like what you, I want to go some more into detail. So you said your husband asked you like, why don't you just let it go? Why don't you let's yeah. let it go? And I hear a lot of people that have been the victims of this. They kind of stumble around that question because they always want to offer excuses to keep the person in the life that killed a relationship for them and so you mentioned that it was for your siblings so now that that's happened what are you expecting from your siblings how are you going to um help them fight this you know and part of my uh part of my boundaries part of my listing i told them you know hey actually appealing to my baby brother because he's the one that i feel that we're gonna bump heads most about this Oh. And I think that she's going to use him as uh, her weapon. Yep, um, she sure is. You know what? The, the weakest, the weakest one, like is one that's easiest to penetrate. So yes, yeah. So I already let him know. Like I mean, at this point, I told him just like you don't want to hear about dad. I don't want to hear about mom. Let's just leave it at that. But I do feel like I kind of set myself up in the losing position and I lost footing when I said that because I really do feel that if he could just for him to grow as a man and to not be so angry I think he needs to have this conversation with my father and just to hear him out because another layer of all of this is that my twins um are not my husband's biological kids mm. they have they also have um a deadbeat father which I purposely made sure as my kids were growing up, I never spoke ill of their father. 
Yeah. I never alienated their father. He always knew where we were at. And um, so I'm, I know I'm all over the place right no, now. No, you're not. <laughs> you're doing perfect. No, because this all but, ties into everything. Yes. Yeah, so me being alienated from my father helped me realize that, well, first of all, I'm glad I have two sons because I'm going to break the cycle because if my kids have children, they are going to be involved no matter what. Yes. So for me, I was, thank goodness I have sons. The cycle ends with me, with um, father, you know, fatherless daughters. We're, I'm done with that. Yes. <laughs> my kids are going to for sure do the right thing. So knowing that I made a conscious decision of um, allowing their biological father the opportunity to hang himself, I guess, if he was going to do that. Right. I never believed that. I, I, I never expected that he would. It was never my wish. But it was, I knew that he didn't want to be involved. So I let him know, the door is open when you are. And, you know, I'm ready when you are. They're going to be here. And he did come back around when they were eight. And um, it proved to be too much. And I told my kids when they came around, when he came back around, their, their biological dad, I said, hey, if you're going to give this man a chance, give him a chance. You're going to have to be open, be kind, um, and see what happens. You know, so let me ask you this, because I'm always interested to know and I love to ask these so-called deadbeat dads the the question of why. Where did you go? Why did you not try to contact? What happened? What was his explanation? So uh, we were best friends uh, throughout middle school and high school and call in the beginning of college. And, you know, we weren't formally dating. Um, we were just hanging out and we happened to have the twins together. And oh, okay. So, it was so we were not, yeah, we were not in a relationship. And matter of fact, um, so he's six foot 10, I'm five foot two. Oh, so, God. Uh, <laughs> oh my I think, God. Yes. And, and yes. So they're, when they measured the twins, they measured bigger than normal and, and of course thinking about it their hindsight, dad is a giant yeah. their dad is a giant but my consistent partner um between my best friend dustin and the um someone i was dating there was a month difference between when we were intimate with each other okay so, so you had to kind based of... on the due dates yeah based mm-hmm. on the due dates it, it couldn't have been uh the biological father right so i didn't even think and then you know of course comes to find out that uh, we did a paternity test, and Dustin was the father. And so, to his credit, I'm sure it was a shock. And <laughs> so, I gave him the adjustment time, and we were best friends. So, I figured, you know, we could work this out. Yeah. But it proved also, to be basically, too much. So, basically, he didn't know that he had, he didn't have the nine months of, of a pregnancy to prepare. He knew you were pregnant, but he. Yes. Girl, he probably knew that there was a chance, though. I mean, come on. He <laughs> yeah. he had to have known. Like, I, I, did, I didn't know there was a chance. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. So maybe he was, was oblivious. Okay. We were both kind of oblivious to it. But, um, you know, when I told him about it, and I, I was very gracious, and um, because I knew it wasn't the, um, it, you know, it, it's an interesting matter to be in. And uh, yes. I knew I'm going to be a mother. Uh, For sure. You know, <laughs> so, as we say, as we say in the country, it's a uh, mama's baby and papa's maybe. Maybe. And, exactly. Yeah. And you know, so, dad does have the luxury of walking away to gather himself, but mama's got to breastfeed and change diapers and uh, t- keep two humans alive. And there were two of them. Oh, okay. So he went yes. away to gather himself for about eight years. And then yes. he called you up to come back and he said, what? Well, he just, well, cause I always consistently, I would message him randomly with pictures of the kids. And, um, when the, when my kids asked who their dad was, I will say, you know, this is his name and this is where he's from. And they're like, well, can we call him? And I, I had his number. He didn't change his number. I didn't change my number. So I would call mm-hmm. him. And so when he wouldn't pick up, you know, the boys were saying, well, why didn't he pick up? Well, I'm sure, uh, he's busy. I'm sure he loves you. I'm sure he misses you. We'll just try another time. And but they still little. felt the rejection because kids aren't dumb. Like well, kids. they weren't. Yeah, but they moved on. They, you know, Spider Man was on or Phineas and Ferb. Yes. And like, okay. <laughs> kids, are not dumb. Lot- kids are not dumb, but they are easily distracted. <laughs> so that works in the favor of having young children in this situation. Yes. 
So by the time he came back in, um, and the kids, they didn't ask at first. They wanted to ask. And I said, well, why don't you get to know him first and see, you know, how you like it and um, try and build a relationship, try and build rapport. Again, how do you explain this to eight-year-olds? But then I remembered I was eight when I was trying to internalize what was going on with my mom and dad. So they'll, they'll be able, they, they can figure it out. And yeah. um, he didn't have an answer. He just said he cried every night. And um, <laughs> but, but did you really, though? I mean, right. <laughs> I, you know, he could have. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, because so, he, okay. Yeah. But anyway, so it, it again proved to be too much for him. And then the boys saw for themselves that, um, well, he stopped coming around again. And at that point, um, so now I'm a adult trying to navigate my feelings with my father, who I thought was a deadbeat, but he was just alienated. And then your own children who had an absent father and then... Yes. Then your husband. Oh dear God. Then my husband. So, so um, I said at first yeah. I said this was three generations. This is this is this is as first I said two. This is three totally different scenarios surrounding you. Oh God. Okay. So just so to now, wrap up the boy story. So is he present now? How how old are your boys now? No, my, my husband um has adopted them. They are they're thirteen years old now. Oh, they're big boys. Okay. Okay. They are big boys, but I did have to have this conversation again with them because my brother was posting stuff about absent fathers and his hurt and his pain. And my kids could see that um, on, you know, their social media. And he was just, mm-hmm. they were asking me about it. And I asked them to check in with them. I'm like, well, how do you feel about that? Do you have any feelings? And they're like, well, no, because, you know, I have dad now. Uh Right. And then I told them, the one thing I don't ever want you to do is hold on to hurt and hold on to pain. Because when you hold on, uh, when you're angry at someone, that's like drinking poison and expecting that person to die. Mm. You're just going to hurt yourself. Right. I told them that, you know, you have your own experiences. And that's what my son told me. He said, you know what, mom, I made my decision on my own that I don't want anything to do with my biological father because you let me make that, you let me see it from myself. And so, so to this day, I mean, obviously you had to get his consent to, for your husband to yeah. adopt them. And he signed over. He was like, yep, I can't do it. Yep. Uh, yes. Okay. I mean, <laughs> he didn't have a relationship with them at all. Um, he popped in at that eight and then that, that's about it. So I just uh, eight years, 365 times eight. You were just, it was just, you know, you just, you, I yes. don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I can never, like I said, it's, it's once you do the job that I do, it becomes very difficult to judge people because you just never know what's in a person's heart. Um, yes. So I hope that when he sleeps at night, he sleeps with a semblance of peace, knowing that his children are loved and in the best situation that they c- can be because he couldn't do it. And I kind of do respect him for signing over because I know a lot of dads that need to sign over their rights. Um, that just can't find it in their male ego to do so. Even though they don't come around, they don't pay child support, they just can't do it because that's their kid. You know, so I kind of, I do have a morsel of respect for him for just being like, hey, you know what? I'm going to let you guys go and, and have something far better than I could ever give. Okay. And and it wasn't an argument. So, but yeah, so now I'm, I'm just making sure. Um, so me being a hurt adult that's dealing with my emotions having these 13 year olds watching mom i'm their pillar of strength i'm their compass of you know morality what's right what's wrong how do i handle adversity so i'm making sure that they're okay and then making sure my husband's okay because he's watching me deal with my mother Mm. and my father and showing my father grace and just sitting there having him being hopeful that one day that, you know, his son right now, his son is uh, 12 years old and oh. he has another son by a different mother who is, he's 21 now. And Does he have a relationship um, with him, the 21 year old? It, it's starting to heal since we've been married. Um, because when we did, when we were dating, I had to make sure, you know, I'm not going to marry someone who, does not have a relationship with their children. That's, yeah, because you had been would, there, done that. You know how that feels. Yes. So yes. Um, he he was able to 
build that and turn that around. They actually had, um, when he was 16 or 17, we went to um, a family outing and they had a lunch together. And at that lunch, um, his son, you know, told him what his mom told him growing up and they were lies. And uh, so Jason, uh, my husband had a chance to tell his side. And I think that helped them really be able to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I told my husband, yeah, that's what, you know, had to happen to me. I had to tell my, my dad had to listen my side, you know, like he had to take it. He even though and he knew was, it was all lies, he knew it was yeah. all lies, <laughs> and he just had to sit there and grin and bear it. Oh, and see that's yes. that's where ego can play no part in reunification because your kid is probably going to hate you because they feel validated because this is all they've been taught. They've been fed this glass of hatred and lies all their life, and so you yes. can't come in in five minutes and be like, "That's not true." No, nah, dude, you just got to take it. You know, you got to take it on the chin. And I was not eloquent. I was not eloquent at all. I, oh I, I, I had to beg. I actually, you know, uh, Nasha, when I talked to my dad and really, um, I apologized. I broke down and I cried. And I just said, I am so sorry for all the hate I threw at you because I would curse at my dad up and down anytime I seen him. Uh, mm. You'll never see my children. You'll never... <laughs> All of this. Oh, and, you were uh, hurting. I was hurting and I was falling and apart. I was and you know what cancer. the messed up part about that is? Even though your mother was nowhere in sight, it's like she got to stab him over and over again through her children. She poured that visceral into you guys. Yeah. Damn. Even until we were adults. And uh, so anytime, anytime I would have a discrepancy with my mother, it'd always be like, well, that's because you love your dad. That's because you love your dad. <laughs> and I'm like, okay so you, she just gave herself an excuse to never take accountability for nope. any hurt that she caused me let me ask my you anger this, stems from loving my dad i'm kind of curious because i'm starting to see a pattern here with everybody mm-hmm. that i talk to even our own uh, alienation situation is your mom remarried did she have other kids did she move on with her life um she did remarry a couple of times um oh, ho, ho, ho. yes and she she doesn't have any other children that i know of uh stepchildren or anything like that but Mm -hmm. yeah she did i mean i remember we had a stepdad and we were i was older by then i was okay or so oh you were grown yeah yeah he he never talked to us i mean for my younger siblings it was really weird because the man literally never talked to anybody he would just go to his room and then gave bought pizza on friday so it was very strange oh (laughs) and that that even that marriage fell apart because you know um and then she moved on to nigeria and she married somebody there and i think they're married now yeah so she damn and she burned she tried to actually she burned almost a lot of bridges going to nigeria and um what the hell did she go to nigeria for like what's in nigeria (laughs) To get her husband. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to get God. Her husband. And we siblings were just like, what are you doing, mom? Like, you're, this is too oh, much. And she, must have, she must have responded to one of those Craigslist ads. Uh, I get, yeah. I, oh, I get spam from the, no, no shade to any Nigerians. <laughs> you know, I love you guys. You know, Miss Naja, love some Nigerian people. Yes. In the country yes. and the culture. But those damn emails that y'all send asking me to uh, Western Union you a million dollars. Y'all gotta and then stop. you'll get more in return. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or my dead relative is it needs and you need just you need a, me to send you five hundred dollars. You know, it's like y'all gotta stop. Okay. So so mom fell for the okie doke. So she's problem. married. Yeah, I think she's married. Or I know she is married to this man. We haven't met him, none of my siblings and I. Um so nobody sees think- anything wrong with that. That can be part of your argument to your siblings. Like, number one. You, she's had a string of bad relationships. Number two, she doesn't have good relationships with anybody that she knows, not even in her own family. Do you all not see a pattern here? Because sometimes you got to talk to, you are the big sister. I'm the big sister too. You know what I mean? So this mm-hmm, oldest, mm-hmm. me and you got this oldest sibling thing in common. And sometimes you got to look at them like, are you dumb? Like, can you not <laughs> see this? You don't see the pattern here? Because she's going to do you just like she's done every other relationship in her life. She's going to set it on fire when it no longer serves her. You're next. Yes. And that's what my husband told me was that stop trying to protect them from it. Because at times I would throw myself, um, 
you know, when I see my mom starting to try to attack, like maybe my, my brother and his yeah. wife, I would say, I would take the attention away and be like, you know, mom, talk to me about it and don't put it on them. And my, my husband was like, just stop. Let, they, maybe they need to experience it. Mm, maybe and you they know need what? to see it for themselves. I, I, think, um, I think a lot of that is your birth order because as an oldest sibling, you probably do feel like you're the one that can protect them. You're like, I can handle it. They can't. But right. your husband is right. You got to step aside now and let her, let them get their butts beat too so that they yes. can feel it. So as of, they are, <laughs> they are, they are. Yeah. And so all you got to do is just either wait. And you know, the sad part about it, I say, I tell people that have been alienated or divorced parents or kids that are being raised in two households. It's like you win some, you lose some. Yeah. And that's a sad part about it, you know, cause you just never know who's going to, um, succumb to what they've been told and decide it's just easy because what you've done is very difficult you kind of you know remember on the matrix and they're like hey you want the red pill or the blue pill well you took the blue pill and it opened your mind up to all this scary stuff you no longer had the comfort or the shield of mom's uh stories that she told now you had to go out into the wilderness and be like oh dear god nothing that i thought was true nothing was real now i have to reanalyze everything and that's a scary place that's why some people would rather live in the comfort of lies yes i said when it came to your husband and his son how did you recognize oh he's being alienated this is the same thing that happened to us to me and my siblings so yes um i noticed and i when when our stepson would visit and uh is it is kind of hard to kind of pinpoint and kind of direct it. But what I would notice is that when he would visit, um, when he was able to visit before the alienation started, um, she would always call him every time. And I think for the summers, he would stay with us for six weeks and she would always send gifts and send him pictures of his dog saying that the dog is lonely, the dog Oh I, I my knew, God! Girl, I knew the that dog this was problematic. Damn. <laughs> so I knew I, I didn't say anything at that point, but I would combat that with helping him pick out gifts to send her to show him that hey, it's okay to miss your mom. I'm a mom, you know. I'm sure my kids would miss me too if they had to leave. So hey, let's let's pick out gifts to send your mom together. Yeah. And to you know get his trust and you know um, cook his favorite meals things like that. And when he would leave, we wouldn't hear from him anymore. And mm. My husband, he calls all the time. He text messages all the time. He can never get him on the phone. Um, so I was like, okay, something is going on. And the fact that she would try to, she wanted me to be, to speak to her <laughs> and just work with me. I can't deal with my ex-husband. He's a uh, you know, we always fight and it's just so much easier to speak with you. And I was foolish in the wow. beginning and I was like, Y'all, okay. You, you, are, you, are you guys listening to this? This is literally a script. This is, <laughs> oh my God, I got to write out the script. I always tell myself because everything. So this was pre-nausea. This was all pre-nausea. Yes. This <laughs> I wish I listened to you prior Girl. to dealing with this. Because you, yes. you know, you know, Belle, I say, don't you get your ass on that phone. <laughs> don't don't you yes. do that. Do not do that. <laughs> And I was foolish enough to believe, you know what, if I could be her friend, if I could be, you know what, her and I, we can take over the world and my husband would be so happy. We're going to fly off and hold hands and buy a stepmom heaven. Yep. Yep. Uh, Kumbaya. And then so (laughs) me being trying to be the peacekeeper, um, I could see that she was throwing jabs at me. Yep. And, um purposely and she because she knew I, she couldn't get a reaction out of me at least or her face like when i call my girlfriends and say can you believe what this did yeah <laughs> let me tell you up and down everything about this uh ex-wife of his and uh so eventually let me tell, I told you, my let, me husband, t- let me tell you what happened when i had you know because the reason i learned to tell women don't fall victim to that oh my god i can't speak to your husband but me and you can communicate Number one, she realizes that she probably can't control and manipulate this guy, but she still needs her claws in something that he loves and that he values. She already Mm -hmm. controls a kid, so it's another way into his household because really she's using you to get to him. And during the conversations, 
like you said, Belle, she will probably throw jabs. Like, oh my God, I don't see why you're with him. And uh, mm-hmm. he, I remember he used to do this. At one point during my ill-fated kumbaya conversation, I had to say, hey, homegirl, whoa, 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 whoa. Who you're talking about is the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Do you not have friends to complain and gripe to him about? Do you not... Yes. Do you not have any girlfriends that you can call when this phone call is over to to air these grievances? Because I cannot hear them. There's no space for that here. And the conversation probably ended five minutes later and has never happened again. Yeah, because you're not going to talk about my man, baby, or anything that I love and that I value. And that you once valued, too, and that you still kind of do, but you just don't know where to put that yet. But that's a whole other subject, topic. Okay. So I'm sorry. So go ahead. Yes. So then I set my boundaries with her, just like you said, because at some point I, you know, I told my husband, Hey, we were, so during that Kumbaya time, we were able to see his son more. Uh, We were able to talk to him more. He was Mm -hmm. more readily available. And I told him, you know, and I was really torn because I was like, you know what, I can play this game, but I don't want to, (laughs) I don't want to for my peace of mind. And then I started, uh, I found blended in black. Because there are a bunch of other stepmom groups. Um, and I also thought maybe there's this one that was like a bio mom and stepmom group. But nothing has been more real than Blended in Black and VIP stepmom for me. Girl, that's I'm not bashing the other ones. Yeah. But this, this, this group tells it real. Because you go in the other groups and you say something, an ounce of, even if you say stepchild, of like, oh my goodness, that's your bonus child. You're supposed to love them like <laughs> And I'll say, honey, I said what the hell I said, okay? If I call him, if I call him Curious George, that's what the hell he is because that's what I said. Don't correct me. You know, one thing I teach people in all of my groups, in all of my coaching, I say, you got to really meet people where they are. Don't come in trying to change the names of what, we, what I've called something for a long time. You know, I, I teach empathy and compassion for a reason. And that's why I love people like you that have had these life experiences and you know how to shut your damn mouth long enough to have the, just to take the lessons because you are giving so many lessons and I know your lessons are not finished yet, but the fact that you're like, wow, life has come full circle for you because now you're able to give your dad a chance. And you know what? I know that you know your dad's not perfect either. Who knows what would have happened if he had been there? Who knows what type of human he'll turn out to be once you um, go deeper in that relationship, but at least you, you're an adult now. You're a well-informed adult. And you, know, yes. and you you don't expect him to come in and be the superhero to save that eight-year-old little girl anymore. Because you've, done a, you've un- done a damn fine job of, unfortunately, you had to, but you saved yourself. And you've put and people around you. Yes. I let my dad know that. I said, you know what, dad? Um, because my dad told me, my dream was always just to have a family. And she, that's so. My dad's hurt is she ruined that. That's all. Oh, she message. stole his family. And he's like, "That's all I <sighs> ever wanted was a dream." Because I told him to, like, "Hey, dad, you know, like, I, I I got it so much from mom. I get it. I I can. I already know what she did to you. I saw it. I lived it. You know. Yeah. And so you don't need to explain to me. Um. And I told my dad, like, my anger for you, and I could spell it out specifically now since I'm 35 years old is that I was upset that you left me there with her. Not mm. that you left, not that the marriage dissolved, is that you didn't bring me with you. So my, my advice to my husband is just never give up. Never, never give up. Give up. And if it, if it means that, you know, you have to start an email where you start sending, you know, letters to your son and pictures and things yes. kind of like a diary that he can look into when he gets older and see, because... Like I said, my twin's biological father said he cried every night, but how powerful would it have been if he said, here's a box of things that... Here's a box of letters and cards. I celebrated your birthday every year when you weren't there. And that would not have helped the missing time, but when the boys were ready, they would have been able to put some pieces together. Right, when they were ready, yes. Because you know what? (laughs) With alienation, that's the intentional destruction of another relationship with the person yes. maybe the parents doing it because they just don't like the other person or because they're insecure or, or they you know most of the times y'all and this is proven the parent has some sort of personality disorder or mental illness that makes them alienate and i don't you know i don't you didn't share if your mother had some sort of diagnosis or not but um you know what i can say for people that do that there's something else going on 
something yeah. else, you know, there's some sort of different type of butter in the rice. Like it ain't, you know, something's different. And so she did say that she, so, um, part of me opening back up to her, cause I did cut her out for a long time and, uh, she does. How long did you cut face. her out? Oh, uh, I would probably say about five or six years. I didn't speak to her at all. So Whoa. when I said, when I told her I will leave again, and that's what my siblings always tell me. You're the only one that mom believes would actually cut her out for good. So there is some type of fear that sh you would do that because she knows you would. And uh, so when she came back around, you know, she was telling what actually opened my heart a little bit was she said that she was going into therapy and um, oh. she was diagnosed with being bipolar, which makes sense of the manic um, ups and downs. In her yes, life that's she why she eat. wasn't feeding you guys. And she, so she was yes. suffering from bipolar depression, so she could not be a yes. present mother. Yes. Mm. And she didn't have her father in her life too. So, I mean, I was understanding to an extent because yeah. then I, I, I told my siblings like, Hey, I had children. I had a mom. I had to learn my, you know, to teach myself and learn how to be a mother, how to be supportive, how to be loving, yeah. how to be a wife. I didn't even have an example of what a good marriage would be like. I had like, we are adults. We need to learn these things. So mm. to an extent, I can't just give my mom like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. You can't be I like, did. oh my God, woe is me. Yeah, because you yeah. know what? She, when I hear a person say, hey, I've been diagnosed with this and I'm in therapy, it's like they got to be ready to do the work. You know, when yeah. like that's, if you set out to lose weight, you know, if you go, and then you eat a tub of chicken every day and you sit on the couch, like you're not doing the work. At least you know there's a problem though. So at least your mom knows there's a problem and she's not, like you said, she can't yeah. actively do the work at this point. Yes. So it's like, for me, it's like, okay, so you're, she's in her late fifties and I'm just like, okay, when you decided, you when decided is it going to happen? That. Yes. Mm -hmm. You decided to do that. I'm very happy for you. You took the steps, but honestly, for any of us to have any type of relationship, she needs to learn to love herself. And, um, I really do pray for her. I really, I don't hate her. I'm not mad at my mom. I don't hate her. I just know that we're going to, I'm going to end up hating her if I keep mm. allowing myself to have a conversation with her, especially if she still keeps telling me how wrong I am about my dad and keep oh, even right now. She's still, yes. Even, even just a few weeks ago, you know, she said, Oh, you're just being stupid. You're gonna, he's going to hurt you again. And I'm like, well, I'm not eight anymore or 10 or 17 or 25. Um, <laughs> if so she's still trying to, poison yes. that relationship and like i said your dad could who know your dad could just disappear or because he, he has could. his own life issues as well so like you got to be realistic here yes. you know for her to say that she's actively still trying to destroy something that you want and i you, i'd be like mom so let's let's put hurt in a bottle who's gonna who's hurt me more you or him like let's just be right. real and and you know i think i even have said that before and i'm like you know by you doing this and causing this division and trying to make me hate him, it's, it's, it's bouncing back on you because I, my dad, I'll for example, Mother's Day, my dad sent me a message and he said, I love you, I'm proud of you, um, and I miss you so much. Uh, happy Mother's Day. And, and how far is he located from you? Well, he's in California as well. So oh, okay. Still, so we're still pretty far. And, you know, I find myself just calling him randomly now. But my mother on Mother's Day was more upset that I didn't get to her first to say happy Mother's Day. <laughs> and I was just laughing with my husband. I'm like, well, this is a perfect example. Damn. you know. Not that it's my mom's job to wish me happy Mother's Day, but just the fact of like, I'm always greeted with love from my dad. And I don't even feel anxious having to talk to him or see his number come like, through. You like, know when mom calls, <laughs> I'm sure you see her number and those little hairs on your arms stand up and those little chill bump, those little goosebumps. Because <laughs> yeah. you already know it's going to be some SHIT. You already know what's going to come along with this. It's just, has there ever been any positivity? Because I know it, it can't be all bad with mom, right? Or, has there been Yeah, is well, there any... She's a better grandmother than she was a mother. But even with that, um, I think that's what caused a lot of contention in the in this past year is that um, she would say things about my kids to my sister. 
And oh. then that would get back to me. And then that's when I'm like, okay, <laughs> you're, we're not going to talk. Um, for example, my kids, they run uh, an organization and they were doing donation drives. And mm -hmm. um, my kids privately thanked her for her donation. And she was telling my sister that my kids are ungrateful because they didn't publicly announce that she gave a donation. Yeah, she can't. No, no, no. Okay. So she, <laughs> she cannot do to you. She can't do to your babies what she did to you. Make them right. No. No. So, so I at that point I was like, okay, that's now now it's the babies, and I'm nope. also torn too because I didn't want to be like that because my mom did that to me. She cut off everybody. I honestly didn't start building those relationships with my um, other family members, aunts, uncles, until I started realizing, you know, I don't want my kids to not have family members. I need to know where I came from. I have no idea. So this and means. You have the unique responsibility of not repeating what your mother did, but still protecting your children from a grandmother that could possibly harm their own self-image. Damn. Yes. Damn. Yes. <laughs> and then you have uncles and uncle, un, your, their, their aunts and uncles, your siblings, who may still drink grandma's Kool-Aid. So you don't really know. It's so hard. Well, they know better. So they, they know better. They know okay. better uh, because they know I, I draw a hard line with that, with my kids. And, um, I, you know, and I always, my message always to my siblings is I'm just trying to be the mom that I needed <laughs> growing up. And I'm not going to have any of that craziness around my kids. And my kids yeah. are really smart. They're very, since I was a single mom for eight years, um, they had this unique perspective of, I wasn't their friend, but I did speak to them um, I let them in a little too much, and it's funny because when we got <laughs> when I got married to my husband, I had to. I finally got to be a mom, first of all, and uh, my husband got to be a dad, and my kids got, finally got to be kids. You didn't have to do and, both roles, and the kids yes. watch out for mom because they're like, okay, stepdad's going to take care of mom, yeah. so we can go. Oh, thank yeah. God! So, so you know, it, we're having normalcy. You, you finally have reached a place of normalcy. So what advice, because you, you're literally an alienated child, a stepmom, a biological mom, dealing with helping your children cope with an absent biological parent who have been adopted by their dad, their stepdad, who is alienated from his kids. Yeah. Did I get that right? That's everything. Damn. Okay. <laughs> so bingo. Is it a bingo? <laughs> it's a bingo. <laughs> There's been, so, there's been so many lessons in this podcast today, but I, I always like to ask the guests, you know, is there anything that you can say to a person that, I mean, you've been through so much and you've literally had just about every experience that I coach people on. So is there something that you could say to the people out there listening that might just give them a little slither of hope so that they can just go on and make it to the next minute, hour, month, day, year? Well, I think so. Starting with being a stepmom and um, seeing my husband go through this alienation, just uh, well, yesterday was Father's Day. I don't know when this is going to air, but mm -hmm. um, him waiting to see if he was going to hear something from his biological children oh. was um, very, yes, it's very heartbreaking. And but I told him, like, hey, look at me. Um, <laughs> I called my dad today and I never thought I would have a relationship with my father with how much hate I had for him. Mm. And the thing for him, I just told him is just that don't ever give up. Keep, keep messaging, keep calling, keep doing what you need to do. And he did set up an email to where he can put his thoughts, his stories, almost like a diary for his son to access later. Yes. In life. Um, pictures, things like that. So we're, we're, we're moving on per usual. Um, it's a little complicated in regards with the courts just because uh, she's in Texas and we are in uh, North Carolina. Mm. And um, with, so we're, that's something that he's figuring out on his own. Um, and I'm his here son as is a supportable. 12 years old, right? His son is 12 years old. Yeah. Okay. And so the things, you know, one thing with the courts is in, and I don't know, I don't know why I talk to so many people who's people who's, cases are in texas texas is tough and i hate to generalize an entire state like that but they ain't got the best history you know yes. 
with a lot of stuff in the war in the world that's happening right now. Um, now, because you got your case, his case is so far away from you guys. I do wonder if you could, he could file the paperwork just to modify the custody orders. Um, the only thing with that is the son is 12 and he might be old enough to say, I don't want to go. or I don't want to talk to him. She, she knows that. Um, okay. the baby mother knows that. Um, okay. Also, you know, he did come last summer and. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And the, but it was day in and day out of crying that I want to go home and Oh. We did our best to cheer him up, do things that he wanted to do, but he was he came with the intention of being miserable. And yeah. and he I didn't, felt guilty for having a good time with you guys, right? Right. And I didn't let him wear us down. And my husband actually felt hopeful because in that time, you know, because I, I told my husband, when when people are pushing you, sometimes they just want you to hold them closer. And so my kids were actually visiting um, family in California. So they got some time to be alone together. Mm. And he thought that they ironed everything away. But as soon as he went back home, radio silence. And then he got a call um, that winter. And his son just told him, I don't want anything to do with you. I told you this already. And as a 12 year old, <laughs> 11 year old at the time. Yes. 11 year old at the time. And I don't want so, anything. To, you know, I wonder, and there's so many layers to unpack for his son. And I know that you can look at it from a different perspective now, because I wonder, does he say, dang, you are raising two children that you've adopted that are not your biological children full time. Right. And you guys have a great life. Cause I mean, he stayed in your house. So he's seen that you guys have a good life, a two parent household. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know what type of situation he goes back to his mom, but it couldn't be too fulfilling and too happy if mom is focused on helping to destroy and not facilitate a relationship with dad. Normally I see women will try to guilt their children, especially mm. when they've gone to dad's house and dad is doing better. Dad has more material things. Oh, your dad has adopted these two other kids that aren't his. And look at, he spends more time with them. So naturally, like, you know, even if she's not directly said something like that, just even insinuating something like that is breaking down her child's psyche. And, like you said, you are living proof that a very smart, and for those of you out there that are step parents, your step kid is going to know. It's going to be up to them and their emotional wherewithal to figure out and to question. That's why I, I sternly believe, even as just, and I put just in quotations, I always encourage my stepchildren to question authority. Even yes. if, question your source. If it doesn't feel right to you, you don't have to ingest it from anywhere. And those are words that I'll stand by. I'll tell any adult or child that I don't give a damn whose kid it is. If you send your child to me and they need Ms. Naja to talk to him, I'm going, that's, I feel like that's <laughs> yes. one of my duties. It's going to happen. <laughs> yes. I will never teach a person's child to disrespect them, but I'm going to say, you know, like I believe in, because even as a kid, my own growing up experience, it, I, we were not allowed to question authority. It was because I said so from mm -hmm. my mom especially i don't do that to kids now because kids are naturally curious how dare we kill their curiosity so i feel like your husband like writing the letters are so great and there's an, an organization that i work with called erasing family they literally have a database that your husband can go in and record videos from now to the next 10 years oh wow and letters and emails and everything that he wants to keep in there and then when it's time, instead of having that box, because you know boxes, you know, right. lost, <laughs> water, yes. yeah, water damage or that, you know, fire or they're just mm -hmm. lost in a move. But this stuff will be digital and it's all in one spot. And then you can just send the child or adult, no matter where they are, um, a note. And one thing to the parents being alienated, and I know Belle can agree with this because she's seen her father do it. The best thing you can do for your kid that you may not be able to talk to that you're estranged from right now is to move on with your life. I'm not saying forget about them. I'm not saying right. not to think about them, dedicate time to writing them a letter. But if your life, and I've seen some parents where their life revolves around this missing child and they never finish that degree or get that job or move away or get married and build a family, your life cannot come to a standstill because there's a person who has, who is so evil 
in your life to destroy a piece of it. Because if you don't move on, you're constantly letting this person win every single day. And by the way, it could be a mentally ill person who doesn't even know what the hell they're doing. And they so won't you, let up. They will never let they up. Will, as long as they see that you are suffering, they will never let up. So the mm-hmm. best thing that you can, Belle, the best thing that your husband can do, which is what he's already done, is build a great life. And so when his son comes back, should he come back, he'll see that this beautiful place, this table has been laid out for you, son. All you had to do was pull up a chair. And we're so happy to have you back. You know, yes. like this, that's it. Yes. Well, Belle, I thank you so much for, for joining us today. This has been, it's, it's, it's not too often what well, it is. It happens all the time. But, you know, this was, <laughs> I was going to say, it's not too often that people come in and teach me. But my God, I've never met somebody with the gamut of experiences from all of these angles that you have. And this is, thank you so much for sharing it with us today. I hope you all out there that are listening have learned something. And I'll share all the links <laughs> I mentioned below for you all. Thank you so much for listening. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm, know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. Now's your heart.